born in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Welcome, this is Karen Schoen, and you are listening to The Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Folks, our uh, Congress in Florida is not doing a good job for we the people. It seems as though they are more concerned with their donors than they are with actually helping the people. They are refusing to take up bills that are designed to harm our children. How is that possible in the, quote, free state of Florida? We have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to the bills. And there is no better place to go than on my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance website. Pull down the legislation tab and see what is going on in our state. If we do not pay attention, trust me, nobody else will. It's up to us. This is our state, and it's up to us to make sure that our children are protected. Well, this week was a uh, unique week because we had President's Day. And I remember when I was in school, we celebrated February 12th, which was Lincoln's birthday. Most people don't even know, except that they uh, feel that, oh, that's the guy that started the Civil War. Oh, that's the guy that did uh, horrible things to the slaves. No, he believed in emancipating the slaves, getting rid of slavery. And that was part of what the Civil War was about. But it wasn't about the whole thing. Um, Also, we celebrated on the 21st, George Washington's actual birthday. And our kids today think, well, that guy, he was a slave owner. And all he was interested in was having slaves. No, that's not what George Washington was about either. So when we talk about history, I love to bring on my favorite historian, Bill Federer because nobody knows history better than Bill. And Bill, I'm going to ask you today, maybe you can talk about some of our presidents, our former presidents, and the contributions that they made to our great country. We wouldn't be here today if they did not hold fast and follow the Constitution, which it seems as though everybody has forgotten. So thank you so much for joining me today, Bill. Well, Karen, great to be with you. And what do you think? Can we talk about some of the past presidents and what they have contributed to America, whether it be good or bad? Because some of them were not good guys at all. Some of them were great and some of them were not. So can we do that right now? Sure. Yeah. Well, there's uh, 46 presidents and the uh, tallest was Abraham Lincoln at 6'4". And the shortest was James Madison at 5'4". The heaviest was William Howard Taft at 332 pounds. 
when they were remodeling the bathroom in the White House, they put in a bathtub for him, and it was big enough to hold four people. <laughs> the youngest <laughs> president was John F. Kennedy, youngest elected at the age of 43. But the actual youngest was Teddy Roosevelt. He assumed office at the age of 42 when William McKinley was assassinated. And the oldest person to be president is Joe Biden, who elected at the age of 78. And uh, But uh, George Washington's birthday is actually President's Day. So when we talk about President's Day on the books, to, it is still George Washington's birthday. It was passed in 1879, and then for all federal offices in 1885. 1971 was the Uniform Monday Holiday Act, and that made a holiday move to Monday so that the federal employees could have three-day weekends, and it eventually went to the whole country. And since Abraham Lincoln is born in February, then his day is also included on President's Day, even though it really is George Washington's birthday. So Washington was unanimously chosen as the Army's Commander-in-Chief, unanimously chosen as the President of the Continental Convention, unanimously chosen as the first President, and unanimously re-elected. And so we think very highly of him because the most common form of government in world history is kings from the beginning of the invention of writing nimrod pharaoh caesar kaiser sultan czar and they keep getting bigger because with military advancements kings can kill more people and with technological advancements kings can track more people and to find the king of england was the had the biggest empire that planet earth had ever seen the king of england was a globalist he was a one world government guy with him at the top he controlled India, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, British Guyana, Canada, Barbados, Bermuda, Jamaica, all these colonies, and America. And America's founders decided they didn't want this globalist, one-world government king telling us what to do. And so they Gee, that sounds like, familiar, listen. Bill. Let me just <laughs> interject. But boy, that is a real history coming right in front of our faces right now. It seems as though we're in the same position. So where is George Washington? And it looked insurmountable. I mean, literally, the British Navy was the most powerful Navy on the planet. We didn't have a Navy. I mean, George Washington personally financed six ships called Washington's Cruisers. And um, John Paul Jones had one of them, and he raided British ships. And But we were just throwing this together. And then we had this ragtag army. And uh, so a little bit about George Washington. His great-great-grandfather was an Anglican minister in England, taught at Oxford. And then the Puritans took over England and demoted all the Anglicans. And so George Washington's father was demoted. And during this time, the son, John Washington, who was George's great-grandfather, he took up merchant sailing to buy tobacco in Virginia and became part owner in a boat. And in 1657, he's in the Potomac River, caught in a storm. The boat partially sank. He swam ashore and stayed at the home of a planter, Nathaniel Pope. He fell in love with the, the planter's daughter, Anne, and he never returned to England. <laughs> and so they had a son named Lawrence, who was George Washington's great-grandfather. He was a successful planter. And then he got involved in the vestry at the church and 
and then you had uh, George's grandfather, Lawrence, and then George's father, Augustine. And uh, when Augustine died, uh, or Augustine's wife died, uh, he remarried. And so George has two older brothers from a different mother, and then George, and then some other siblings that are younger. And then Augustine died, and George Washington's older half-brother, Lawrence, sort of looked after George. And he arranged for George Washington to join the British Navy at the age of 15. But uh, the mom, the second wife of Augustine, her name was Mary Ball Washington. She put her foot down and said, no, and George obeyed his mother. Lawrence, by the way, went with the British Navy and captured Panama from the Spanish, Portobello, Panama, and tried to capture Colombia, but, but didn't, Colombia, South America. And his admiral was Edward Vernon, nicknamed Old Grog, G-R-O-G. What's Grog? So the a lot of these sailors died of scurvy, typhoid, yellow fever, jaundice and they found out that if the sailors would add vitamin c to their diet they wouldn't lose their teeth and have problems but where do you get vitamin c limes and so the british sailors were nicknamed limeys because they would have this lime juice and it didn't really taste very good you know it's pretty strong and bitter so uh, or or sour rather and Old Grog, Edward Vernon, the, the admiral, he had them pour rum in with the lime juice and called the drink Old Grog. And so he was nicknamed Old Grog. That's where that came from. Well, uh, Lawrence Washington is landed back in Virginia. He's a naval hero and he names his farm after his admiral. And the admiral was Edward Vernon, so he named his farm Mount Vernon. So that's where Mount Vernon came from. And very, so very interesting. Very, very interesting. And just one little tidbit, grog is good. <laughs> it tastes <laughs> good, so I'm glad that he invented it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so George did not go into the British Navy, and he got a job as a surveyor at the age of 16 for Thomas Fairfax, the largest landowner in America. And it's a very good career because you're surveying land that nobody is at yet. And so you know where to invest and put in a claim. And so most of the founding fathers that got wealthy got wealthy through land speculation. And um, so George, at the age of uh, 19, goes with his brother Lawrence, who now has tuberculosis. And he is, uh, doctors say, go to the island of Barbados and you can recover better with the, the climate. And so young George, 19 years old, goes with his older brother, half-brother Lawrence and George contracts smallpox and nearly dies but doesn't. Why is this important? Well, later when George is the general of the Continental Army, more people died of smallpox than died in battle. But George was immune to smallpox because he had it at age 19 when he was down on Barbados with his 
older half-brother Lawrence. Well, Lawrence comes back and dies. And so at the age of 20, George inherits his farm, Mount Vernon. And this makes George Washington, at the age of 20, one of the largest landowners in Virginia. And then he gets involved in the French and Indian War. And the uh, general of all the British forces in America is Edward Braddock. So we have an Edward Vernon, but now it's Edward Braddock. And they're ambushed outside of Pittsburgh, the Battle of Monongahela. Braddock is dying. He gives his battle sash to George, who keeps it all the rest of his life. And George has a little chapel service or a graveside service because um, the chaplain was wounded. And George writes later that he had four bullets through his coat and two horses shot out from under him, but he escaped unhurt. And then he comes back and he marries Martha Washington. Now, Martha, Martha Dandridge Custis, she was a widow at the age of 26 and two young children. And she had 17,000 acres. And so they get married. Now, George is one of the top landowners in America. And uh, sort of sad that Martha uh, had these two children, Patsy and Jackie. And Patsy has epilepsy. And they're at dinner in 1773. And Patsy has an epileptic seizure. And George Washington is holding her in his arms, and she dies. And Washington said, the sweet thing went on to a, another life where she you know, doesn't have the, the path of, of anguish that she had in this life. And, and so George uh, is asked by the Continental Congress to command the American forces after the Battle of Lexington and Concord and the Battle of Bunker Hill. And so he writes a will, tells his wife that if he dies, she gets everything, you know, um, and he takes command of the army. And um, by the way, the other son, Jackie, Martha's son, uh, he becomes an aide to camp, aide de camp. And it's a messenger, more or less, in the camp for George Washington. And at the Battle of Yorktown, when the British finally surrendered, 1781, everybody's celebrating. But young Jackie Dandridge Custis, he dies of camp fever because you'd have these illnesses go through the camp. And so it was really sad. So he had married and had two young children. And the widow was left with these two young children. And George Washington decided that he would adopt the two young children. And so they are Martha Washington's grandchildren, but they're George Washington's adopted children. And the son is George Washington Park Custis. It's a long name. But he buys land across from the city named after his adopted father, Washington, D.C. So he buys land, and that land today is Arlington Cemetery. Bill, so, from what you're saying, they didn't steal any land from the Indians. This was land that was vacant, was taken over by the family, and then passed on through 
death and through inheritance. So all of this business about America being so awful and stealing land from the Indians is not true, is it? Right. So the um, initially, the uh, Americans and Indians got along, um, except for being stirred up a couple times. There was the King Philip's War in uh, Massachusetts that uh, killed about 8,000 of the Europeans. And, uh, and then you had the British. So the British would go to the Indians and stir them up against the Americans. And after the revolution, when the British lost, the Indians that sided with the British lost, and they lost more land. And then during the War of 1812, the British come back and say, side with us. Well, the Indians that side, when the British lose the battle, the, the War of 1812, those Indians lose more land. So it's sort of, uh, they've you know, been used as a pawn by the European powers. And... Um, but George Washington, um, when we look at the, the Revolutionary War, so kings have subjects who are subjected to their king's will. Democracies and republics have citizens. The word citizen is Greek. It means co-king, co-ruler, co-sovereign. So what we were doing was breaking away. And we didn't have an army or a navy. We're just throwing this thing together. The women were camp followers. Uh, they would do all the hospital work and the care of the sick and scavenging for food and sewing the uniforms and and about 500 women died at valley forge along with 2500 men and um and so a couple instances uh one is the battle of princeton and so the continental congress had evacuated philadelphia and left george washington a note that said until further no notice you're in charge of america Right. It's like, okay, don't forget to turn the lights out. All right. And so here the whole thing is resting on George Washington. His troops go from a high of 20,000 when the declaration is read to his troops in July of 1776. Over the next six months, they lose battle after battle. They're chased out of New York, chased out of New Jersey, chased into Philadelphia. His troops dwindle from 20,000 down to 2,000. It's wintertime. Uh, his men had only volunteered for six months and they're about to leave which means the war would be over, which means George Washington is going to be arrested and hung, and America will be another British colony like Kenya or India. Um, but Washington has Thomas Paine's American Crisis read to his troops. These are the times that try men's soul. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will you know, faint in the day of adversity, and heaven knows how to put a price on its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an item as freedom is not highly rated and um, England years ago had a young Jersey maid, Joan of Arc, uh, chase them off. And, oh, but, you know, God would raise up a Jersey maid today. To, I mean, he goes on and on. And then Washington has a plan. It's called Victory or Death. And he's going to cross the Delaware River and attack the German Hessian mercenaries at Trenton. On Christmas Day evening of 1776, he does. He captures a thousand of them. The British send down Cornwallis, and he is furious and he is set up just on the other side of a creek. And the sun is going down, and the battle is going to be the next day. Well, Washington leaves the campfires burning, a couple guys in camp to clang pots and pans, and he marches his army out of the camp and around a big circle. And the morning of January 3rd, 1777, he attacks the British from behind. 
They get some good shots in, but the British turn and fire back and the Americans start running away. And Washington's like, I am not going to give up this chance. He takes his horse. He rides to where the men are running away. He yells at them to stop, tells, commands them to follow him. He rides within 30 yards of the British. And he turns his horse toward his own men. And he says, ready, aim, fire. And they fire. It's a big puff of gunpowder smoke. And then the British return the fire. It's a volley. Boom, right? They shoot back. Mm -hmm big puff of smoke and the American soldier Fitzpatrick from Ireland, he pulls his cap over his eyes because he doesn't want to see that George Washington was shot, right? Cause here he is in the middle of the battlefield being shot from both sides. Well, the smoke clears Washington's on his horse, waving his hat saying charge. And so his men charge capture 800 of the British. These 10 days from December 25th to January 3rd, are revolutionary. They 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 cause the enthusiasm to spread across America that we can actually win some battles against the British. But at that moment, the entire revolution was resting on George Washington. In the middle of that gunfire, on his horse, yelling charge, he could have run away and this whole thing would have been over and we'd have been like, you know, Hong Kong. We'd have been just another colony controlled by Britain. But instead, he had courage. And... Um, and then another instance is, he said, the, the sword is the last thing to pick up and the first thing to put down. He, he um, After the war, there's a painter in England named Benjamin West, and he's painting a portrait of King George III. It takes a long time to paint a portrait, and so they're making small talk. And the king says, what's the word of George Washington? What does he plan to do now that he has defeated the king's army? Benjamin West said, they say, your highness, that he's going to return to his farm. The king said, if he does that, he will be the greatest man in the world. Here he is. He's got power. And, and he could have made himself king, and he, he gives it all up. There's the Newburgh conspiracy. So toward the end of the war, the soldiers had not been paid for a year, and they were planning on marching into New York City, where the capital temporarily was, and taking over the government and getting paid. Washington shows up at their clandestine meeting. Everybody's quiet. He walks to the front of the room. He pulls a piece of paper out of his pocket, and then he pulls out his glasses. He calls them spectacles. He goes, excuse me while I put these on. I've grown blind in the service of my country. And he begins to read. And he says that if they carry through with what they're doing, it's going to turn into a military dictatorship just like what they broke away from in Britain and all the blood of their comrades who died is going to be wasted. He folds up the piece of paper, puts it in his pocket and walks out and the Newburgh conspiracy dissolves. He could have walked in and said, okay, guys, let's do this. I'll be the king. Right. Wow. Instead he didn't. And what, what an amazing, amazing man. We need many multiple George Washingtons right now because we have to garner up our courage, especially after seeing what this government is doing to we the people. There will be no more we the people. It will be they, the government, and they will control everything. Bill, we are going to run out of time. I know you have written incredible books, and this was a, a wonderful, wonderful story that's it's not a, it's a truth. It is a nonfiction, folks. That means it is 
the truth. And this is something that must be shared. It must be shared with our children so that we know where our roots are, where our country has come from, and we can get rid of some of those incredible lies that have been told about America. America is not a slave country. We were not born of slavery. It was just the way business was done at that time, as awful as it was. It No difference than any other country at that time. So we have to start telling our kids the truth. And where can they find your books, Bill? Because that's the best way to start. Well, thank you, um, Karen. My website is AmericanMinute.com. AmericanMinute.com. And one last quick story, uh, 1796 uh, Whiskey Rebellion in Western Pennsylvania. A bunch of farmers were upset that they were getting taxed so much. Washington leads his army. He's the only president as commander-in-chief leading the army as president. And he gets there, and the insurrection dissipates. And rather than him hunting down those that participated in the insurrection, and having secret trials and locking them away and killing them. Instead, he forgave them. This set a precedent for the world because every other country in the world, the kings would hunt down people that were a part of an insurrection and lock them away, and Washington forgave them. It set a model that the country has followed ever since, that the government will never go after people that were participating in expressing their views right in, in an insurrection. The government forgives them and lets them go. This was the example that George Washington left for our country. How sad that nobody knows that. And look at what we have become. Bill, thank you. And everybody, please go to American Minute and sign up and get Bill's newsletter. What a wealth of information you will find and share it. That's real important, folks. You should have five at your fingertips and you should be sharing all this information with your five. Bill, I'm going to ask you to come back because I love to listen to your historical moments. They are so important for us to know and remember how this country was created. So you can go and get Bill's books. You can sign up for Bill's newsletter and you can listen to this show and share it. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance, who is focused on education, focused on education, not lowering the bar, raising the bar. We can't have a country of excellent people if we're teaching them to be morons. And unfortunately, that's what's happening. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to americaoutloud.shop. That's americaoutloud.shop and use coupon code OUTLOUD. Use Cofix RX because it works. Cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar, inflammation, and weight. These are all real-world problems that 87% of Americans are struggling with. Often, there are no symptoms, but left unattended, we become inundated with one health problem after another. It's time to fight back with Heal Right. Heal Right is a bar that you eat, but it's food as medicine that addresses the nutritional root cause of health issues in just eight weeks. 
developed by world-renowned scientists and backed by 15 years of research. Heal Right is effective, but it's also delicious and works without additional diet or lifestyle changes. Step out of the statistics and use food as medicine. Visit HealRight.com slash OutLoud or AmericaOutloud.shop and use the code OUTLOUD for 20% off. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait. We wash our nose? Yes. The number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. A less suppression of truth in a world of darkness, void of any soul, requires that we are rightly informed, properly equipped, and strongly motivated to fight the corruption. AmericaOutloud.news is that place to awaken your heart, soul, and mind to the Outloud truth. Now is our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Hello, everyone. 
everyone. Welcome back. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Their website is goflca.org. Please check in with them. Find out the legislation that is not being passed in Florida by our criminals who are sitting in Tallahassee and lie to us in order to be able to get there. Um, make sure that you check out the micro school and get your kids out of those indoctrination clinics masquerading as public schools. They are not learning anything. The graduation rate in Florida is 88% and only 47% of the kids can read, write, and do math. So what are we graduating? And because of that, I believe our country is being run by affirmative action graduates. We can look around and see the failed policies, the lack of common sense, and all of the other things that have been happening. So make sure that you give your child a chance. The best way to do that is homeschool or get them in a school that is along with your values. Again, that is goflca.org. The other day I was listening to, I think it was Glenn Beck. Don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure that that's where it was. And he mentioned that the Department of Health and Human Services was going to have a new policy. And that policy was that they were going to listen to the indigenous people's medicine men and incorporate that into the approach to medicine. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm a senior. So does that mean that we're going to be dancing around the bed if somebody gets sick or we're going to have leeches or maybe we're all going to be smoking peyote? And I thought, that's impossible. So I asked Robert Scott Bell, who happens to be an expert in alternative medicine, to come on the show and talk about something that I know very little about. And I'm the first one to say it. When you are, when you understand what's happening, the best thing to do is surround yourself with people who are knowledgeable, who have a handle on it, who have studied it, and who have become the experts because it is impossible to be an expert in everything. But the best thing is to be able to share information from those people that know what's going on. So, Robert, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And um, this is a topic, as I said, that I know very little about, but I keep on hearing words that I think we should know a lot about. And uh, one of them, of course, is medical freedom. What does that actually mean? And, and, And where are we going with that? Well, Karen, thanks for having me on. And, you know, the the idea of medical freedom is something that exists within the constraints of what we would call modern medicine. So it's a it's kind of a, a delineated smaller uh, aspect of the larger uh, issue, which I think is health freedom, which is much broader. But within the medical circles for doctors to be able to respond to their patients without government interference or interference from the pharmaceutical industry and patients also to have choices about who they could go to in terms of, uh, you know, their medical care, medical treatment. Now, within that framework, of course, we see there is a medical monopoly that was established in the 20th century. So it's kind of a, 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 you know, a lesser form of freedom, freedom within, you know, kind of an electrified fence of pharmaceutical drugs. 
So when we expand that to understand that there's a broader perspective of health freedom, kind of like what you intimated with that um, in indication that maybe HHS is going to start acknowledging Native American traditions in he health and healing, you begin to expand beyond the medical monopoly and incorporate, you know, probably herbs, uh, you know, in the natural uh, supplements that are made or derived from those herbs or food as medicine. Oh, that's a very interesting thought. I never thought of food as medicine, but that is that's that that is really interesting. Do you think that the doctors are being paid by the pharmaceutical companies? Because my husband is allergic to a lot of medication, and this is the second time that he um, has gone to the doctor and been prescribed the medicine that he's allergic to. And he keeps on telling them, I'm allergic to this. I have to have this other medicine. And I'm beginning to think that maybe, is there a relationship maybe between the pharmaceutical companies and the doctors that enable them or have them push a certain medicine over another, even though a different one might be better? Well, let's look at what's called, considered the standard of care in medicine, which is very ill-defined. Uh, if if a doctor looked at your husband and said, you know what, I think we could uh, probably avoid a drug this time and maybe put you on a dietary supplement of some kind or a homeopathic medicine or some of some kind, uh, there would be action as it got back through the board and the licensing board, et cetera, that uh, you're not practicing the standard of care. So the doctor has to concern himself or herself with prescribing the medicines that are quote unquote approved by the FDA and nothing else. Now, within that that framework, as you point out, um, there's something called medical errors, which are considered the third or fourth leading cause of death in America. And this would be a case of prescribing a drug improperly uh, that, uh, you know, in case of your husband, he was allergic to. So double checking and triple checking medication prescriptions is very, very important. Now, why did the doctor make this mistake? Or, or you know, I am not accusing the doctor purposely trying to harm your husband, but that's a pretty glaring mistake if he insists that I'm allergic to that, why would he give it? Now, there could be incentives for certain drugs, the newer drugs that come on the market, which are much more profitable for the drug industry versus generics that have been around for decades, for instance. So there is a proclivity for many of these doctors due to um, various ways that they do these kickbacks. They've tried to cut down on them, but there's still ways that they do, you know, trips for the doctors. There are other incentives in things. And, you know, when you go to the pediatrician level, you'll see that a significant portion of the income of pediatricians is related to their uh, patient compliance on the on the vaccine schedule, according to the CDC. So um, some doctors could make as much as half a million dollars in bonuses for fully vaccinating their population or getting close to 100%. So I know this is not specific to your husband, but it, it's that broader issue of conflicts of interest when we have the pharmaceutical industry putting pressure, incentivizing certain drug prescriptions over others. Wow, that you just hit a, a nerve on that one because I was thinking the other day when I was a child, we had, I think, seven or eight vaccines that we had to take, and that was it. And now the children today are taking 60 and, and 50 and 60 vaccines in a, a body that's not even a year to two years old. And then we're wondering what the consequences might be as we're seeing a rise in autism and other uh, diseases that you think there's a correlation there? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you have an unusual circumstance in the history of humanity. Uh, we never had what we call a, a vaccine deficiency disease. 
And we've been convinced over the course of, uh, you know, a couple of hundred years that the only way we've survived as a species is through these injections known as vaccine, which originated from vaca, which is the Latin name for cow and cowpox, when they scrape the udders of these cows and they uh, cut open the arms or, you know, the flesh of, of innocent victims and shove this stuff underneath the skin. And very often it returned uh, as devastating infections, uh, sepsis, uh, people would have to, you know, they'd lose their, their arms. They Honestly, it was just horrific. And so there was uh, protests right almost from the get-go in the 18th century against this, the gener, uh, generated so-called cowpox vaccines. And, you know, the anti-vaccine movement did not start with Andy Wakefield in the 2000s. It started almost certainly close to the time that Jenner came out with the original uh, smallpox or cowpox vaccine. So now it's been institutionalized in the United States in many countries, but more so here than anywhere, that uh, not only is it considered a rite of passage, I call it the uh, uh, rite of passage within the church of, you know, pharmaceutical mysticism, the denomination being vaccinology. Uh, we have now come to the point where um, there is such a fear associated with not being vaccinated that, you know, under the COVID crazy years, we just lived down prohibitions against travel, against school, against athletics, if you didn't get the COVID shot. So uh, we have really devolved far, far away from something called a natural God-given immune system and how to support it. So uh, the, some of the diseases that they are vaccinating against are so obscure, the probability of a person getting them, uh, you know, in their later life is, is minuscule. So why are they doing their, in other words, they're giving these vaccines, I guess it has to do with the almighty dollar. They must be making a fortune out of giving, uh, out of forcing kids to take a vaccine that would be for a disease that they may never even come in contact with or get or anything. And well, certainly and it, doesn't have the ramification of that disease. No, it, it begs the question of whether um, eradicating these diseases is actually better for mankind or not, because arguably they're developmental in um, important milestones in the immune system and, and, and functional development of organs like the liver. So the idea of completely eradicating them has made us weaker, make, made us more vulnerable. And in fact, you know, we see diseases in, in our elders that they would never get had they had naturally acquired immunity uh, through exposure to chicken pox, measles and things like that. Um, you know, in addition, you know, we look at the uh, profitability of the vaccine or pharmaceutical industry through vaccines. It's been argued, well, that's not a, it's a loss leader for them. It's not a profit center. Well, the reality is if you can make a, a, a product and then have it mandated by the government and be absolved of any liability, should that product injure or kill, you would make a killing in terms of profitability. So it is an extraordinary profit center that became something that was uh, exploded after 1986 with the uh, uh, National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program that was signed into law under Reagan at that time, one of the worst things he did. And uh, we're still suffering from that because uh, liability-free products, we would never accept them like, you know, uh, defective cars that explode and, and there would be no liability for that. Of course, you know, you want to have an ability to have recourse because those companies need to be put in place to say, you know, safety is a priority. And when you have no uh, liability, safety is not a priority, much less efficacy. Who cares? It's being mandated anyway. So there's a lot of problems with that vaccine program. Oh, I couldn't agree more, especially after what went on during COVID. So what can we do to 
improve our natural immunity. That that is what the homeopathic medicine is all about, isn't it? Uh, To be able to improve it upon yourself and to take the right um, supplements, I guess, is what we would call them. How does that work? Well, we're working with the body rather than against it. You know, you have something called a God-given natural immunity. And initially it comes from uh, being born vaginally, which doesn't happen often anymore. And the, the microbiome that is introduced to the, the child that, that comes through the birth canal. And that starts things in motion. Then of course, colostrum and breast milk from mother provides what we call maternal antibodies and maternal immunity. And then as children grow, you see they go through various phases of interaction with the environment, including that oral phase where everything goes into their mouth and you're like horrified. It's like, oh my gosh, what's going in? But all of these microbes from the world and environment around them teach the immune system what's good what's not and strengthens it along the way and then we have to look at you know the role of food if we switch over from breast milk then to synthetic uh, artificially made or pesticide laden uh, fungicide laden foods that are devoid of vitamins minerals and trace minerals we are now sustaining children uh, on food that is less than optimal and has toxic poisons in it that they have to defend against. And so we see devolving into chronic disease and destruction of what's known as the microbiome of the gut or the alimentary canal through the use of antibiotics and then exposure to various things like glyphosate, the active ingredient Roundup that just wipes out the flora and then destroys and damages the lining of the gut, the home for the microbiome. So we do everything in a modern context to destroy the natural immune system of the child and then say, well, the only thing we have now are these vaccines to protect us, which is an artificial induction of antibody production if they're lucky. Yet if you have no immune system, having an antibody is not sufficient nor necessary, but it can you know, be problematic because you've destroyed the immune response while you can identify what's coming. I, I liken it to this. If, you, if you're on a train track and you see and hear a train coming before, well, actually you hear the train and you can feel it coming before you see it, but then you see it, you, you get up off the train track because it's going to run you over. But if you have the, the vaccine, so-called induced immunity, which ignores the damage caused by the vaccine to the immune response, it's like you're tied down on the train track and you might actually maybe see that or know that train is coming a little bit in advance from normal, but you can't get off the track. So what's the point? So the idea of artificial induction of uh, antibodies through the um, vaccine program is kind of an immature understanding of the immune system. And it's embarrassing, I would say, for doctors that still think this is a good idea. Oh, I, I definitely agree with you. I do not think that it is a good idea at all. Um, I also noticed that there was an uh, introduction of metals mm-hmm. in wellness. And I that. That seems like, whoa, you know, I'm not going to go and inject myself with some silver or something like that. So what are you talking about when they talk about metals and how they participate as well in our wellness? Well, we know that many heavy metals, of course, have deleterious or dangerous action on various functions of the body like mercury cadmium, arsenic, lead, aluminum, things like that. Uh, But there are also metals that are essential metals to, to life and metabolism, like chromium. We know chromium plays a critical role in blood sugar regulation, energy production. It also helps with liver detox functions. But if you have it in a whole food form, it's sustaining of life. If you have it as hexavalent chromium, you'll remember uh, the movie with Julia Roberts, Aaron Brockovich, you'll realize you now have a toxic form of a metal that is normally healthful and sustaining. And then when we go into the other metals, the noble metals known as copper, silver, and gold, we find that they have a tremendously essential effect on human health and animal health. Copper 
plays a role in many metabolic functions, including um, the immune response and uh, inflammation response, as well as energy production and connective tissue integrity, bone, uh, uh, cartilage, uh, you name it for the connective tissue, the nerves system, the brain, the liver, all depends on good copper. And we've uh, wiped that out of the food supply because we've destroyed the, uh, the soil through modern agriculture. And people don't eat copper-rich foods much anymore anyway. And then if we look at silver, which is not typically acknowledged to be an essential trace element, we find out it's a critical a part of our immune response as well can reduce inflammation when applied locally and can of course reduce a microbial or pathogen burden safely in a colloidal or hydrosol state and then can actually facilitate neurological regeneration not degeneration and then we get into gold and we find out it has profound anti-cancer properties uh, it can elevate IQ uh, is very important for sexual reproductive processes and can counter autoimmunity so these metals Yes, you can take anything to excess and create a, maybe a dangerous situation, but in the case of these, you know, noble metals and other metals, having them in the right form in the right quantity and and inflow, inflowing them through food primarily or a colloidal state when you can, you have a safety and also a functional efficacy that is far superior to utilizing or being exposed to the metals that are dangerous, like the ones I mentioned, like mercury and arsenic and lead and aluminum, things like that. Oh, this puts a whole new slant on things. I um, and I, I'm sure that there are ways that uh, we can introduce this into our body in a helpful manner, and that's what I'd like to know from you. Um, what do we do? Where do we go? And where can we find you, of course? But what do you recommend that we do? Because we're living in a society that is extremely stressful. And one of the things that I always used to advocate was you can't let the outside stress destroy your inside body. You have to be able to manage it successfully. And the way to do that is to make sure that you're healthy to begin with. So what would you suggest that we do and where do we go and how do we find you and some of the wonderful things that you have introduced well my show is on six days a week uh, it's at robertscottbell.com if you want to listen live it's three o'clock uh, daily monday through friday sundays at one o'clock but you can listen as a podcast or you can watch it later on rumble or, but my website robertscottbell.com you know, I like to bring the power to heal back where it belongs with each and every one of you. It's something I didn't know growing up in a pharmaceutical medical family. Uh, so I, I'm, you know, greatly uh, motivated to help others to heal as I've learned to heal through natural medicine and homeopathy specifically. And that's a whole other discussion we won't have time to fully go into. But those are that's a method of, of many, making medicine from the three kingdoms of nature, the mineral, animal and plant kingdoms, converting them through serial dilution and succussion into a, a homeopathic form, a safe form for ingestion and utilization for supporting detox processes of the body to address just about anything that's gone wrong. And this is, a, you know, again, a method that I cover every day in the show with what I call the homeopathic hits each day. And I teach people about these remedies so they can incorporate them safely into their lives, into their lives of their family and children and babies, which is completely safe, the safest medicine on planet Earth. So if you want to tune in or you can become part of uh, our Patreon support crowd and once a month we do Zoom AMAs, Ask Me Anythings, and we see one another and, and you can ask questions I can't get to on the air even. And so that's another option. But all of that's available at my website, robertscottbell.com. What would you suggest as a regular regiment for we the people to be able to do to in, help us uh, insulate ourselves from 
all of the disease that is around us that's being pushed on us? Well, first thing, you got to go organic or the equivalent. Uh, clean up what goes into your body. If you think you can subsist on pesticide-laden foods and be you know, vitally strong and healthy, you're deluding yourself. That's not a rule I made up. You know, talk to God if you got a problem with that. Uh, food was not supposed to contain toxic metals and you know heavy metals, the bad ones, much less the additives, preservatives, colorings, flavorings, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, GMOs, plasticizers, etc. So clean up what goes into your body. Grow your own food as much as you can, and then drink clean water. Ideally, if you have like the Echo Water unit, uh, you can actually have the hydrogen dissolved into that water, which supercharges it as an antioxidant as well. Um, you can do things like cardio miracle that facilitate nitric oxide production safely to hope open up the blood flow so oxygenation and nutrient nutrition can reach everywhere in your body safely and you can function and move throughout life and and then exercise move dance walk uh, kickbox whatever you got to do keep moving because life is dependent upon you moving so don't don't live sedentary because that won't be a long healthy happy life find a way to move even if it's just to do a little walk or jump on a little personal trampoline bouncer just just keep that movement going oh i couldn't agree more and folks you don't have to run because running also could destroy your knees or whatever but walking is a wonderful thing to be able to move so for those of you that are sitting in front of your computer screen 99 percent of the time that's a bad idea uh, take it from me, especially when you get to be a senior, you don't want to be stuck in one position for any length of time because that certainly creates a lot of stress and it um, makes you sedentary and uh, eventually you'll get to the spot where you won't be able to move and you'll miss the time when you could move. So even if it means walking around the house several times a day, do it. Get up. Get off that chair. It is so important. Um, thank. I want to thank you. This has been quite enlightening for myself. I, like I said, I did not know a lot of the things that I learned today. And um, I want to thank you for doing what you're doing and for helping uh, us figure out what we can do to avoid the pharmaceuticals. Because remember, folks, if it's coming from China, I don't trust it. I don't know if you do, but our, the majority of our medicine comes from China. And also another thing that I try to live by is when I'm buying food, if I can't pronounce and understand all of the ingredients in the food, put it back on the shelf because it, it has to contain things that are not good for your body. Robert, thank you so much for joining me today. Please tell everyone again where they can find your website. Yeah, just join me, uh, robertscottbell.com, just my name, robertscottbell.com. You can uh, join us in the live chat room. You can sign up for our email alerts and newsletters for free, and we'll keep you informed and empowered because the power to heal truly is yours. That's right. It belongs to you. You are in control of your body. Stop giving it to somebody else. Before we go, I wanted to share something with you that I recently discovered, and it's so interesting because it fits right in with what Robert was saying. I don't know about you, but I'm not a pill taker. I just don't get along with pills, and most of the time I forget to take them anyway. But I stumbled upon a product called Heal Right, and I found it where else but on the America Out Loud website. And I started eating these bars, which, by the way, are delicious, and discovered that it's a food 
that actually helps your metabolic health. And this is exactly what Robert was talking about. They are coming all a whole bunch of different flavors. They are, as I just said, delicious. And you don't have to worry about side effects because it's not a medicine and it's not difficult to eat and they help with your metabolic dysfunction. Uh, I don't know about you, but I always suffered from high cholesterol, and I refused to take pills for that too. So when Robert said food can be your best medicine, this one really struck home. So please go and visit the website on the America Out Loud website. Look for Heal Right, because that's the name of the bars, and get some and try them. You'll find they're really delicious. Thank you all for listening today, folks. This is Karen Schoen. You have been listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Please go flca.org and check out the Florida Citizens Alliance and the legislation that we need to pass to help our kids because they are supposed to be our future. And if we destroy that, we're destroying our own future. See you again next week, folks. Have a wonderful week.